Hey, welcome everybody. I'm here with my good friend, David Tal. Actually, he's here visiting us and we're gonna have a wonderful conversation today. Thank you for joining us. And uh, David, as you know, is from Israel and he is visiting. So we're gonna have a terrific time. This is what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about Israel. We're gonna talk about the Jewish people. Uh, we're gonna talk about what's going on right now, where Israel has been and where things are going. And I'm pretty confident you're going to be really, really blessed. You're going to be glad that you, uh, that you joined us today. David, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's, it's really fun to be out here. Um, and yes, uh, a lot of things have been going on. It's a lot more complex than a lot of people think. And one of the reasons I'm here is to help explain maybe the nuances and the complexities of, of what's going on in Israel. So... I'm glad to be here, and I'm, I'm glad to share a little bit of what's going on over there. Yeah, I, I think this is just a great having you here, and we're looking at everything that's going on with Ben Gavir Smotrich. Smotrich. It was pretty close. There you go. And the new Netanyahu government, government, he's been able to form a coalition. Currently, as we're filming this, I'm watching protests coming, and there's a lot of challenges over here in America. We have the evangelical world. Uh, most of the people who watch Hope for Our Times or pay attention to Bible prophecy, okay. pay attention to Israel. But uh, we're going to walk through some things to help people understand a little bit better about the challenges of, uh, of, that are really going on in Israel. So okay. give us some insight, a little bit about the government. Well, and do we understand what happened with the elections? I mean, most people, it's kind of hard. You guys have... Well, a, a, a different kind of a, an election system. So if I can take about three minutes, let's see if I can kind of round out what and how this is happening. Um, Israel is a parliamentary democracy, which means we elect a party. We don't elect, we don't have two parties. We have something, I think, like 42 parties or something like that. Uh, you uh, elect a party, you, you, you vote for a party. They take all of the votes, divide them by 120 seats in parliament, uh, that number is a seat, and each party gets a certain amount of seats. Now, nobody's going to get more than 50% of the seats, or in, in the case of the number 60. So the largest party that has the most seat has to make concessions to smaller parties in order to create a majority. You create a majority, you come to the president, you say, I've got a majority, and the president says, okay, sign your commitments one to another, and you get to be prime minister, minister of defense, and so forth and so on. That's basically the system. That means that when Benjamin Netanyahu, who actually runs the Likud party that got the majority, he has to go to smaller parties and make concessions to them in order to create a majority government. In the past, he's done that a couple of times, but the difference between his majority and the other side was one seat or two seats. That means one minister can blow up the government. And that's what happened, been happening for the last two and a half years. Now, there is a larger right-wing majority that is supporting Netanyahu, uh, mostly the religious and the national religious that are supporting Netanyahu, which means that he has a relatively steady majority and it looks like we're gonna have a long-term government. That's the upside. Mm -hmm. The downside is all of the smaller parties that he needs in order to create that majority are going to ask for concessions, each one in their realm mm -hmm. of, of uh, importance. 
And that's basically what's happening now. So now we're seeing the prices that he had to pay. A lot of Israelis are worried that he's paying too much. For instance, in concessions to the religious, meaning financial concessions to the religious uh, minorities, uh, in political concessions to the nationalistic or more, more right-wing military, uh, which see things in a different way. He has made these concessions, and a lot of people are really worried that the prices that he's paid are too high, and it's going to change our uh, policies. It's going to change our legal system. They're passing laws to change the legal system. It's going to change the financial system and so forth. So that was a long explanation yeah. to a short Balagan. Well, that, it's a Balagan. America's got Balagans, yeah. plural. So when I look at this, Ben Gavir goes up on the Temple Mount. Uh, okay, so let's explain who Ben Gavir is. Okay. Ben Gavir is a, uh, how do you say, a um, offspring of a very right-wing, very militant organization that was actually put together by Rabbi Mary Kahana, who believed that all the Arabs should be kicked out of the land. And uh, he had a very militant, very racial kind of idea. He was actually outlawed by Israeli government because of his militancy. And Ben Gvir is his political prodigy. So Ben Gvir is not as militant, but he comes from that. And a lot of people are really, really worried that he will actually push in a very, very militant aspect of Judaism into the contested, contested areas uh, and, and kind of spark off the, 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 how do you say, the Arab minority into a whole new round of violence that, that we're kind of afraid of. Okay. So there's a couple of different dynamics I want to ask you about. One of them is here in America, you talk with uh, people that I associate with pretty regularly that will look at Israel and say, why, why doesn't Israel just annex the West Bank? Just take it back. They have the military might. They can do that. And also there's another bit of a challenge with the new Israeli government, and that is because it is religious. It's not religious in the sense of Christianity. No. I mean, and a lot of people who are evangelical don't understand because, hey, let's support Israel at all costs. And I want to talk a little bit about what that means because does that mean that everything Israel does is right? But I, I want to maybe educate all of our viewers on not, it's not a blind faith for reasons why I support Israel. So let's walk through this. We'll start with the first one. Why doesn't Israel just annex the West Bank? Well, okay, so, so let, let's back up a little bit. 1948 War of Independence, Israel becomes a nation. The borders of Israel are defined. Um, most of the world believes that what was conquered or what Israel holds on to or what we managed to, to survive in 1948 is Israel. Okay, and, and the Arabs have never accepted that, okay? But the rest of the world has more or less accepted that. In 1967, what we call the Six-Day War, everything changes because Israel actually preempted the Six-Day War, which, according to a lot of people, means that they conquered areas that were under Arab control. Now, when I say Arab control, not Palestinian, the West Bank was Jordanian and the Gaza Strip was Egyptian, okay, at that time. So Israel never conquered anything from the Palestinians, but worldview says that the West Bank and the Gaza Strip should go to the Palestinians. Nobody said that. The Palestinians don't say that either. They say, we want all of Israel. We don't just want the West Bank. But that's the situation. That's why there's a difference. So the West Bank has been contested, okay? And 
Israel and the Palestinians have not managed to reach an agreement all through these years exactly how we're going to live together. Now, there's a lot of Israelis on one side that say, kick all the Arabs out. There's a lot of Arabs on one side that says, kick all the, the, the Jews out. And most of uh, Israel, um, most of the Israelis and most of the Palestinians are in, somewhere in between. We're saying, okay, let's find a way to live together in peace and harmony. The only thing is that the militants are playing a role on both sides, and that's the situation. Israel has tried to reach agreements, and I think the Palestinians are not ready for some kind of agreement. So Israel is saying, okay, if you're not going to agree, we're going to do what we know how to do best. And that's what Israel has been dealing, doing for years, is saying we'll make this land thrive. But there are Palestinians living there, and the question is, what do you say? Ben Gvir is saying, we don't care. That's their problem. It's not our problem. Okay? Smotrich is saying more or less the same. So the more militant Jews are saying, this is our area. The Arabs don't want to reach any concession. This is what God gave us. We should be able to do what we want. So when Ben Gvir go, goes up on the Temple Mount, and that's a whole story in itself, mm -hmm. okay, he's actually portraying publicly, this is my territory as much as it is anybody else's. The Arabs see that and see that as an affront to all of Islam, and, and the pressure is going up. So that's that side. Okay. Okay. But let's go a little bit further. Uh, the situation in one bank is not a simple situation. People say, oh, this is the land of Israel. You should be able to turn that into Israel. You've conquered the West Bank. Just turn it into Israel. The only problem is Israel considers itself a democratic nation. So that means that if you're a democratic nation, whoever is a citizen of that nation has a right to vote. Now, the West Bank has a majority of Arab, Muslim, Palestinian people. So if you conquer the West Bank and turn it into part of Israel, all of the people living there will get a vote. And that's a thing that I don't think a lot of people realize because it's not only about, you know, public opinion. It's not only about the fear of the Arabs. If we annex the West Bank and put those two and a half million Palestinians into the Israeli political system, they become voters in our political system and that'll change the voting demographics of the state of Israel completely and here's the main problem that I think a lot of people don't realize. So when I think of that, you, if that were to happen, the West Bank gets annexed, you have two and a half million Arab Muslims that can now vote, I'm confident that a lot of them would vote and that could really flip the entire uh, political we would, just we would quit being a Jewish state. You we would, would be a Muslim. We would be another Muslim nation with the Jewish minority. Yeah. And you would actually, the very reality of it is, have Muslims that are leading the nation of Israel. There you go. No longer Jews. And I don't think most people have a clue or any bit of understanding of those dynamics. So when somebody who comes from an evangelical background, loves Bible prophecy, says, just take the West Bank, Man, that could create a huge problem. Well, again, do you see the fact that, the, you know, the Jewish state is not Jewish as a problem? Yes, that would create a problem like that. Or do you quit being democratic, okay? And I think what a lot of people don't realize that annexing the West Bank would make Israel make a decision, would push Israel into a decision whether you want to be Jewish or you want to be democratic. You can't be both. That would be, that would be very challenging. Now, I want to throw this in there also. So Ben Gavir goes up on the Temple Mount. He says, hey, I have a right to this as much as anybody else does. I look at it from my viewpoint. I would say, absolutely. In fact, when I go through Jewish history, I say, 
Okay, God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's a forever covenant. Uh, we know the temple was there. The first temple was there. The second temple was there. Ben Gavir goes up there. Totally. And, and, and again, you've been up there numerous times. I go up there with tourists all the time. Okay, that's not the problem. Uh, when Ben Gavir goes up, and by the way, when Ariel Sharon went up there as uh, Minister of Tourism, I think it was something like 12, no, 15 years ago. Also, that sparked up demonstrations because when you go up there as a Jew, you're not going up there as a tourist visiting a Muslim site. You're going up there as a Jew showing Jewish sovereignty. That's what kind of gets the Muslims all riled up. And again, if there's anything that's going to bring the Muslim world together, it's the Temple Mount and their hatred of the Jews. So again, politics and religion are getting mixed in together. And Ben Gvur is playing that very much uh, together. And again, I got to be very, very careful here because... I believe that is the Temple Mount. I believe Mount Moriah is the most holy place in the world. I believe that it's not by chance that, you know, God taught. I mean, I teach sermons on what the lessons of God were on Mount Moriah. I mean, there's Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. There's a temple. And on the side of Mount Moriah is literally where Jesus was, was, was crucified. I mean, that is a sacred, holy, uh, hallowed ground if there ever was anyone. And, and the Muslims are taking complete dominance over that and I do see the problem so on one hand you have the biblical historical past and future on the other hand you have the situation on the ground and and that's why we're seeing all this tension mm -hmm. right now um, as we watch all of this tension and I it's only going to increase yep. uh, it'll, it'll, it'll ebb and flow I mean it could come down for a while it always does kind of goes like this right now it's pretty tense as people are watching what's going on. The United States government is saying, hey, uh, Israel needs to just back off of everything. We're hearing more and more talk like that. Jordan is getting more into the mix than yeah, they have been again, for a while. Like everything else in politics, okay, the question is, okay, when somebody has an opinion, you're asking yourself, okay, what is he getting out of his opinion? The United States of America is leaning to the left, is more appeasing to the Muslim world, so their opinion moves in that direction, okay? Jordan is 90% or I think 80% Palestinian. So they have, uh, okay, their representation. On the other hand, I have my ideas about what I think should happen on the Temple Mount. They are probably different from what the majority is. And on the other hand, on the third side, you have what's going on in the ground. I mean, do you want to spark off intifadas? Do you want to spark off another, another war with Gaza who's just looking for an excuse to fire rockets into Israel? And how do you play with this? Benjamin Netanyahu has done a good job of playing this game or, or, or kind of walking this tightrope for many, many years. But there's, there's a, uh, I'm going to say, a worry a little bit that because the rightness and the militantness of his government today, he's going to be tilting a little bit on the tightrope to the more, how do you say, um, controversial area. And that might spark off more and more violence in the Middle East. So you're Jewish. You're Israeli Jew. You live in yes. Modin, which is just, uh, what, what would you call it, the suburbs of, 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 of uh, Tel Jerusalem. Aviv or Jerusalem. And um, with that, it's your perspective. You, you have to live with everything that happens yeah. over there. So here in this part of the world, as an evangelical, I can say something. A liberal can say something else. But whatever it is, you've got to, you have to live it. I, I have to live with the, the situation on the ground. And that's something a lot of people don't kind of realize because 
it's, it's easy to kind of look at this through the biblical lens or through the prophetic lens or whatever. And, and you know, in the end, I, I live there. I mean, you know, the bus driver that I'm working with for, for a week is an Arab Muslim. So, so how do we live together? And, and if I'm very, very mm-hmm. anti-Islam, okay, and there's, you know, a hard mm-hmm. conversation that I have with Islam, okay, but the guy sitting in the front of the bus is, is, is a Muslim and he's praying you know, five times a day. How do you interact with that? And I'm trying to say is that one of the things I'm asking your people is to be very, very careful, educate yourself about the situation and understand that opinions have weight, okay? Learn about Israel, learn about what's going on, go through the biblical, go through the prophetic, but learn about what's going on on the ground. And it's really important to understand because sometimes it's, it's easy to say, oh, just do that. But that has ramifications for me. I need to send my son into the army the next day, okay? And and that has ramifications. Or why don't we do this? And I said, wait a minute. I don't want to give up my historical her- heritage, okay? On the other hand, what I'm trying to say is it's more complicated. And, and maybe this is me talking to the people who are listening. Learn about Israel. Learn about the situation. Learn about the historical, the prophetic, the biblical, but also learn about what's going on today. And that's all playing a role. And the reason I'm saying that is because we need your support. But we need your support in a way that is right for what God needs to do in Israel. Yeah. And maybe that's... And, and you know, God's desire is that none should perish also. And, and Amen. a lot of times, it, the, in, in people within my circle can be so pro-Israel that they're blind to other things. And I, when I take groups over, which I'm taking one over soon, I was just there with you. Um, and when I take groups over there, I try to tell people, hey, you have Muslims and Jews working together and most of them really want to get along. Um, I can think of just people I've been introduced to every time I go uh, and become friends with them, both Jews and Muslims and, and Christians too, that are Israeli. They would, um, and it, they're real people, real families, real lives, and sometimes we forget that in the political realm and also in, in the evangelical side of it when it comes to the Bible and Bible prophecy. We, it's remembering there's real lives in people that God yes, loves. Yes, but let, let, let me not forget, okay? Um, Israel has tried numerous times to reach an agreement with the Arab world, with the Arab world and the Palestinians, and each time it has failed. Israel is willing, willing, and I, I'm not saying I agree with this, but it has showed in the past that it is willing to make concessions of in our historical, um, you know, um, land uh, to the Palestinians, and the Palestinians have never, how do you say, been a partner for this, okay? You see what's happening in Gaza. In Gaza, you're having people that are just saying, we just want to kill you. I mean, you know, we might not kill you today because we can't, because you're stronger. But let's make this clear. We want you out of here. We want you dead. So we are dealing with a Muslim world that I don't really agree with. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean everybody who is working at a, at a shopping mall in downtown Jerusalem is, is a terrorist. But there is a clash of religions, I'm going to say, that is both historical, religious, racial, and spiritual on the ground of the Holy Land. That's part of what we have. But we need to remember that after that, you have to come down to a personal level and, and there are personal ramifications. Yeah. So let me make this clear. I don't believe that the other side is right. 
But I do believe that the other side are still people. And maybe that's something that needs to be stressed. And it's hard to balance. Um, last time, I was in uh, Bethlehem and uh, just for a little while, and I realized that I was in a place, you know, I know very little Hebrew, but I know enough Hebrew to get myself in trouble. <laughs> and I mentioned a couple of words in Hebrew to somebody, and man, uh, somebody had to lean over and whisper in my ear, don't, don't say, speak Hebrew. do not speak Hebrew here. And I was thinking, all right. Uh, so I, I, but there is still that. And that was just, you know, out there in the open. So, uh, now, just to make it clear, Bethlehem is under Palestinian control. The little town of Bethlehem is a huge city that is, major, ma, the majority are Muslims, and all of them are Arabs. So Arabs can be Muslims and can be Christians. So yes, you're seeing the complexity of the situation. And, and if there's anything I want to convey as an Israeli is, one, learn about the situation, see what's going on. It's much more complex. I mean, just like everything else in life, there's no black and white. There, there's, there's, okay, ways to understand. It does tie into the biblical context in the past. It does tie into the prophetic context in the future. But just remember that on the ground, we're, we're living, you know, we're living these biblical prophecies. We're living these biblical movements that are, that are going on. And, and last, pray. I mean, pray for, for what's going on. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's I, I have no, I mean, you specialize in prophecy. I have no idea. We know what's going to happen in the end, but pray for what's going to happen between here and there. It's kind of hard to figure out exactly from day to day what's going on, but we do know then. One, one last thing I'd like to ask you about. Within Israel right now, with the current government, there's uh, between Ben Gavir and Smotrich, not favorable to the Messianic Jews. And for, uh, and for everybody watching, in case you're not familiar with a Messianic Jew, uh, it's a Jewish person who's received Christ as their Savior. So that's simply what a Messianic Jew is. So with that, um, I know a lot of Messianic Jews in Israel. I know non-Messianic Jews. But nevertheless, the dynamic there is something else I don't think Christians evangelical Christians quite understand in America. Okay, so, so if you are being very um, outspoken Jewish, everything about Jewish is really, really important, that means that you do not really want uh, uh, too much of an interaction with the Muslims. I can agree that. But that also means you don't want a lot of interaction with the, the Christians. And the nationalistic, the more outspoken, the most the more right-wing militant uh, aspects of, of our political system do see Christianity as a problem on the whole and do see Messianic Jews, meaning Jews who believe in Jesus, as, as a problem. So the way that they are anti-Muslim, they're also in many ways anti-Christian. Now, there's laws, there, there's you know, a legal system put in place to, to take care of the minorities, but when they have political power, they are kind of moving, extending, and, and we are afraid that that outspoken anti-Christianity or anti-Messianic movement will seep into the political system and might be a, a little bit of a problem. And, and for the Messianics living in the country, we're, we're kind of worried. We have to wait and see where this is going. So we might agree with some of the things that are happening, but we, we're kind of worried about a, lot, a couple of other things. But maybe since I do have this platform, I do want to say something about this. You don't have to agree with everything that Israel does. Israel's a nation. We've got good, we've got bad, we've got ugly. And, and just like everything else, um, 
Israel doesn't always do things right. Not everybody in the system in the public. We have our corruption. We have our we have our stupid things. We have the things we'd agree with. Uh, we now have a gay person that is the the speaker of the house, which is you know kind of weird in the promised land. But remember this. Um, and and again, this this illustration. I think we've talked about this works. If you're a Christian, if you're a Bible reading Christian, Israel is family. And you might not agree with everything that somebody from your family does. You might not agree that everything everything is right. You might have better family members or, or, or problematic family members, but family is family. And in a spiritual sense, okay, Israel and evangelical Bible-reading Christians, they're family. And, and that's just something to remember. Amen. That was a great way to great way to close out our time together because I get asked that question a lot. Israel, not everything Israel does is is good. So how can you support Israel? Couldn't come up with a better illustration for people to understand than that. Thank you very much for your time, David. Well, I'm glad to be here. And, and guys, you got to come over there. And 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 I mean, Hope for Times does a good job of explaining what's going on today. Um, check out the Balagan Connection, by the way. I have a, a YouTube channel and an Instagram that kind of talks about things that are happening. But basically, just, just stay in touch and, and remember, we, we need your prayer. We, we, we need your support. And, and we'll talk more about how, how that should happen. Great. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. And I forgot to mention that about David's Balagan Connection. So make sure you check it out. The description, it's in the description here. On uh, You can see the link for the Balagan Connection. And join us in Israel sometime. I would love to have you join us. God bless everyone.